Canine Doc Issues from Capes on the Couch, a show that examines the mental health issues of comic book characters, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven, Chris, and SP. Hello and welcome to our podcast. We're so glad you're here. In each episode of our podcast, we'll be exploring a different topic and sharing our insights and opinions. We'll cover everything from current events and pop culture to personal development and self-care. Our goal is to provide a space where you can escape the noise of everyday life and spend more time learning and growing with us. We're excited to share our journey with you and hope you'll join us on this adventure. So grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and get ready to be entertained, informed, and inspired. This is Podcast Name Podcast. You guys know what that was? You know what that was? No. I went no. to the uh, the AI chatbot that everybody's in, and I said, write me a podcast introduction, and that's what it came up with. I like it. That's what it came right. up with. Did Yeah, okay. Everybody's been using it. I haven't had a chance to use it yet, but apparently it's actually pretty decent. I just said, write me a podcast introduction. Anyways, you've reached the Gonna Geek Show. I am Steven, and with me, of course, is Chris Farrell. I'm just controlled by chatbots. Just <laughs> insert your text into the chatbots, and it puts it on screen for me to say. It's like Ron Burgundy and Anchorman. I'm just going to read whatever's on the teleprompter. I like it. And I've also got, of course, SP... I've always been a chat bot. <laughs> Can you believe it? We're in the final episode of the Gunna Geek show of 2022. I feel like feel like it was just like, I don't know, three episodes ago that we we started this year. That was two. I went three because I, I feel like, you know, there was one that I had to rehearse in my head just to get over the fact that I was going to be podcasting with you guys. I mean, except the enjoyment that I'd be podcasting with you again. That's fair. Sure. <laughs> no, we're excited. We're going to keep doing this monthly thing next year. Uh, so we will have a more set schedule. We will announce that for 2023. We're happy that we could come back, though, for a few months this year in 2022. Thanks for joining us. And if you're not watching the video side of things, we are in festive mode and festive usual tradition. We've got our Christmas abodes on, including I am wearing, I, I said abodes. That's what I'm going to roll with. Uh, we've got, I've got my geeky jersey, which has a uh, ho, ho, ho Santa Claus on it. Or maybe it's SP because it's, there's beard and SP has a beard. Of course I have a beard. You have a beard, too. So does Chris. Why am I the only one that's being singled out here? That's fair. Your, yours matches, though. Yours, yours is gray and Santa's is gray. You guys just wait a few years. You'll be all gray. It's already too. there, man. Uh, my, my 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 hair came in gray years ago, but uh, you know the oh, beard the beard must will be, be nice. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, but seriously, while we are not doing the show because we only do the show once a month, you should come over to our Discord server. It's gonnageek.com slash Discord. We would love to have you over there. We talk all sorts of geeky things. 
and you can tell Chris how awesome his Grinch sweater is. I love it. I love finding a Grinch sweater. It was a whopping 20 bucks at Wally World. I couldn't not buy it for 20 bucks. Now I'm prepared for all holiday events. That's awesome. Do you also, when you go to these holiday events, do you get in the Grinch spirit and just start stealing the presents? Yes. I also get into the spirit of 300 and I run around yelling, this is Sparta and kicking people. (laughs) Well, on that, shall we get to talking about some news points of geeky variety? Is Sparta Whatever the chat pot bot told you to say. (laughs) That's true. Pot. Bot. All right, let's kick it all off here with a Wonder Woman 3 update, which I've just realized I I used WW3, which, you know, let's not go with the Star Trek variety of that. (laughs) Let's not. (laughs) Go ahead. Let's not. So we're going to start with Wonder Woman. We're going to talk about some of the other news that's been coming out and rumors regarding the DC movie universe. But the news had come out late last week, and pretty much everyone was stunned to hear that Warner Brothers Discovery is not moving forward with Wonder Woman 3. And the way the story was originally written, it made it almost sound like it was the studio that basically said, yeah, Patty Jenkins, you're out. We don't like it. No, what we ended up finding out early this week, it was Patty Jenkins who walked off the project after rejecting studio notes on her treatment. This is, sources told this to The Wrap. Her exit came just as James Gunn and Peter Safran have been getting settled into their new role as the co-CEOs of DC's film division i.e. they're Kevin Feige for DC Films, and right now they're plotting out their multi-year plan for DC Films, TV shows, video games, etc., that they'll be produced, excuse me, presenting to Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslov this week as we're recording on January, excuse me, December 12th. Now, what had happened is Patty Jenkins had presented her script and her treatment to Warner Brothers Film Group co-chairpersons and CEOs Michael DeLuca and Pamela Abdi They didn't think the treatment worked and decide not to move forward with it in its current iteration. Despite the original reporting from The Hollywood Reporter, James Gunn and Peter Safran did not make this decision. However, they did agree with both both DeLuca and Abdi. The treatment did not work. DeLuca and Abdi both spoke to Jenkins and communicated they didn't think the treatment was quite right for the direction they wanted and asked her if she would consider pitching something else for the IP in another direction. This is where it gets a little spicy, gentlemen. According to insiders, Jenkins refused and let Andy DeLuca, excuse me, let Abdi and DeLuca know that they are wrong. They didn't understand her, didn't understand the character, didn't understand character arcs, and didn't understand what Jenkins was trying to do. And to underscore her point, according to this insider, she sent an email to DeLuca that ended with a link to the Wikipedia definition of character arc. Bit hmm. spicy there, gentlemen. Jenkins was told if she wanted to come back and pitch a different vision for Wonder Woman, they would hear it. But she has stood firm on her vision, saying that that's pretty much what she wanted to do. And she is fine walking away and starting another project of some sort. And while this was going on, we also had Gal Gadot posting some tweets online that made it seem like she was almost saying farewell to the role of Diana Prince. So it's entirely possible that Wonder Woman, as we know it, is going to get a fresh reboot over at the Warner Discovery side of things. I, I guess that's that makes sense with everything going on with the cuts over at Warner Brothers and Discovery lately. Like it's it's not surprising to me, but what is surprising to me is that they are still 
doing some things in that general universe and the associated adjacent universes like the Joker, right? You know, like another version of that. It's it's bizarre to me that that they're still like got this patchy framework of things that they're trying to put together. But this is where they're like, no, we're put we're, we're 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 saying no to this one. But there's a difference here. This wasn't necessarily for budgetary reasons and things like that described before. This was for creative reasons. Is what it came down to is they didn't like the creative that was presented to them. It wasn't, oh, we can write this off and not put the movie out like they did Batgirl and some other television shows. It was, we don't like this treatment. And let's be honest, most people didn't care for Wonder Woman 84 either. It's funny you bring that up because I've got a list of movies that I want to watch over my winter holidays. And, uh... There's a whole bunch of DC ones on there that I've never watched that I'm going to absolutely try, including suffering through that flick. I mean, that's fair. So I think that's the biggest difference here, though, is we're not talking budget like we have been hearing about for other things. It more comes down to there was creative differences between the film crew and the CEOs and the heads over at DC. I know, SP, you were a massive fan of the second Wonder Woman, I believe you told me that that was the best movie that you had ever seen ever, (laughs) including The Martian, end quote. That's patently false, (laughs) categorically false, but okay, we can run with it. (laughs) Wonder Woman 84 was, okay, it was a movie. And remember when it came out, we were all starving for new content. We hadn't seen a new movie in a while. Wonder Woman 84 comes out streaming, in the holiday season of 2020, we're all like, this is going to be awesome. We're going to get it on our HBO Max streaming, and we're just going to be able to watch a cinematic movie at home. And then, womp womp, it wasn't that good. So then is the typical comic book fighting over, oh, you just don't like a female-led or woman-led comic book movie no that's not the case it was a bad movie it was just not good and the way they treated the characters in there and everything just was not something that i would ever want to go back and watch i think i watched it maybe twice i don't know why i watched it the second time and that was it i was never going to go back and watch it again as for wonder woman 3 because of what happened with 2 and because of everything that's happening in the dc universe i was going to wait to hear the reviews before I even went into the theater to watch it or even stream and watch it because that's time for me and time's a valuable commodity. So I wasn't just jumping at the chance. Now, Gal Gadot, she played a wonderful Wonder Woman, even with the bad script with Wonder Woman 84 and with everything else that she was in, Justice League and everything. I was looking forward to potentially seeing her again. The issue comes where... Patty Jenkins had a concept in her head and she thought the world was against her and just said, nope, I'm not going to do this. I'm out. I don't want my creative beings being subjected to the man, quote unquote, and the man being those in charge of Warner Brothers. The interesting part also was that James Gunn, and I keep forgetting the other guy's name. Peter Safran. Safran. They said, no, we would have given her a note, too, and tell, told her to change it. This, it w- wasn't us. We had nothing to do with it, but we would have told her that. And for James Gunn to say that, that tells me a lot. 
that he wasn't trying to undercut anybody, but he was saying, yeah, that we wouldn't have wanted to go that direction. That all said, I am really wondering where they're going with what used to be the DCEU and if it's even going to be worth watching going forward. Really wondering it. Why, why should I invest my time, my money for entertainment on something that is totally unproven and is in a shambles? Why? I mean, there's a few good movies in there, but I why? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I kind of had some stuff to sprinkle in to add into other rumors that have come out. But again, bear in mind, it's this week that Gunn and Saffron are doing their their briefing to the CEO of what their plan is for DC. So these rumors may not end up all being true, but some of them are interesting. And we'll just start first with the list is that supposedly Aquaman is done. Jason Momoa is out as Aquaman but not out of the DC universe, supposedly up for the role of Lobo. And if you look at Lobo and look at Jason Momoa, sort of makes sense. He looks a lot more like uh, Lobo than he ever did Arthur Curry. So I'm curious what will happen there. And he's also spoken of being interested in that character before. And before we get the inevitable, you can't be two characters in the same kind of comic book series. Um, Chris Evans did it. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say. Chris Evans already did it. He did it, but it wasn't in the same cinematic universe. Was it? We don't know anymore because yeah, of multiverse. Yeah, that's true. Now I'm playing devil's advocate here. So <laughs> that, that's one of the rumors is that Aquaman is done, basically, and will be replaced with something else. Momo will move on to Lobo. The other rumor, and this one, I'm kind of, I'm not sure how much I believe it, but I could sort of see it being possible, is that the Black Adam sequel is in doubt, partially because of its underperformance at the box office. The movie did make $400 million almost through its run so far, but according to sources at Fandom Wire and a few other places, that's about a $100 million loss once you factor in production costs, advertising, budgets, and things like that. Now, Dwayne The Rock Johnson did say they've made $50 million on it so far, so who knows who's actually right there because everyone has a stake in saying what is going on. But it's interesting because even the leaked footage of Black Adam, and spoiler alert, we're going to talk about a movie that came out in October, Henry Cavill's returning Superman didn't seem to draw in a ton of people, but it did bring Cavill back to the role of Superman, which we'll touch on here in a second. A lot of insiders speculate that the future, excuse me, the future potential sequel for Black Adam depends on how well the show, excuse me, the movie does when it drops on HBO Max on December 16th. So four days away as we're recording this, it should hit HBO Max. And if it does well there, odds are it may happen again. The Rock is committed to wanting to do it. His production company is wanting to do it, but who knows? Can we back up a second to Jason Momoa? Because he needs to stay with DC if he wants to do anything comic book related because of all the trash talking he did against Marvel. Yeah. There's no way the Marvel's going to welcome him. In. Oh, uh, Marvel likes money. You know, uh, that's, a, that's a good story to tell when, when you win, like that person switches after doing a bunch of, of trash talking. Like you see it in sports all the time, right? P people go and they tra trash talk a team and then they sign with a team. Like, you know, it's, it's a good story to tell, but also Jason Momoa, I think, I don't think he necessarily needs comic book movies. I think there's other so, things he could do. Well, let's, let's put it in professional wrestling terms. He's basically cutting heel promo and working the crowd to get people fired up. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure most of the folks insiders there, kind of knew what was going on it's not necessarily that oh jason momoa is anti-marvel it's uh jason momoa is beating the drum for his properties yeah 
Okay, you guys can think that. I think the opposite. So we have a understandable disagreement here. It's no problem. No problem. Now, Black Adam with The Rock, that leads me into you're wasting all these good actors. You are. There's all these, either they're good or they're box office draws. And now you're just throwing them to the side. Now, Jason Momoa, you're bringing on as a different character, but all the rest, Gal Gadot and everybody else, you're out. Well, it's Gal Gadot might waste. be the one that decides she doesn't want to continue working with them. If it's her director of choice that she likes working with, that she's collaborated with, that is out, it could very well be yeah. that she has decided that she is done with the character. Okay, it's understandable. I think it is a little career short-sightedness, but then again, she probably has all the money she needs. She doesn't need to jump ship, so to speak. Again, this is all the rumors. We don't know what's happening until official stuff comes out. Uh, Two other things to touch on real quick. There was a lot of talk when Henry Cavill returned to the role of Superman that, hey, this meant the Man of Steel sequel was going forward. There were a lot of insiders reporting that script development was being done on it. Well, that is seemingly now canceled. So they brought Henry Cavill back and they've probably canceled that version of Superman. Doesn't necessarily mean Cavill's out or whatnot. Cavill said he's interested in collaborating with them, things like that. But give him a chance to be Superman. That's what I say. Zack Snyder's Superman, I've made my feelings clear on. I don't need to do it here again. But I'd be curious to see what Cavill did with a more comic book version of the Big Blue Boy Scout. Yeah, I agree. I actually think that he he was a good Superman, but um, I'll be honest. I thought them bringing him back recently was was kind of silly because they should have. I think they should have done it as like so, a like a we we're going to launch this movie. Like this is definitely happening. Funny you mentioned that. Okay. The Warner Brothers execs at the time didn't want Cavill back. They didn't want that scene in Shazam. It was Dwayne Johnson who pushed for it to happen. And because he was the producer and his company was running it, made it happen. That's... It was not necessarily part of the creative plans overall at that time. But the understanding that people have been bandying about is that The Rock wants to have Sh- Black Adam v. Superman at some point in time. Yeah, I, 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 I just would like to see all of all of that justice league and association go away well i mean we don't need henry cavill but we need his mustache back yes and the cgi mustache and the cgi or or lack thereof final piece i had for this one and this is the one that is actually heartbreaking to me is we knew that michael keaton was returning to be bruce wayne in the batgirl movie presumably the batman from batman 1989 as part of that multiverse spinoff well there was talk and supposedly they'd started writing a script for a continuation movie of batman with michael keaton the 1989 version of batman that multiverse that piece of the multiverse where he was going to play the role of old man bruce wayne and they were going to introduce terry mcginnis and for those that aren't familiar i've been begging for a batman beyond movie for probably a decade now at this point in time and the rumor is a Batman Beyond movie was in the works. And for those that aren't familiar, Batman Beyond was a spin-off cartoon that came out in the 90s after Batman the Animated Series that took place 30 years post-Batman the Animated Series where Bruce Wayne couldn't be Batman and the mantle had gotten handed off to another person. And it was really good. Really good. I wanted it so badly, and it's not happening. Well, I look forward to seeing what comes out of the actual meeting. Personally, I... I really think that it's such a, a mess of everything 
that they need to just reboot it all. Like, I really do. I, th I think that that's, that would be the best situation. Yes, there are very good elements that could have come out of this. Um, the Batman Michael Keaton one, I think, unfortunately, is probably going to be a victim of all of this we need to reboot because there was, there was that all in association with the past franchise, um, even just through, you know, the development that we saw got scrapped or the movie that we got saw, saw got scrapped. But if they want to do truly fresh, they need to get rid of everything that was on the page up to this point and start all over. And that includes he was being worked into this. And and why I say point that one out specifically is because he wasn't. It wasn't. He was not part of this universe up until Batgirl or Batgirl. Yeah, it was Batgirl, right? That was one that was canceled, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a shame. It's disappointing on that. But but I, 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 I would like to see everything, everything gone. I don't know if you could say he wasn't part of. Well, I, I guess you could say he wasn't part of this universe. Crisis brought everything together. So as far as I'm concerned, anything is free game when it comes to DC up to this point, at least hmm. because of crisis, including the 89 Batman, which would include Michael Keaton. But that aside, you mentioned you want to burn it and you want to start it over. First, I have two questions. First of all, does that include Margot Robbie? That includes everything that, that they Dang have done it. in recent. And Margot, Ro Margot Robbie was, was decent in the role, but also that in itself was a whole whole kerfuffle. So just get rid of it all. Start it all over. Get, get rid of it all, including the Walking Phoenix Joker, which is a, another sore spot of mine. Get rid of that. Yeah, oh, no, that's okay. still happening. That's, that's Number bulletproof. Two. <laughs> No, number two, you want to burn it over. You want to start over. Where do you want to start? What is your first movie out of the gate? I, I got to say it. You got to start off with Batman. And, and a reason why I say you have to start off with Batman is because we're not just talking. We're, we're not talking the, the crowd that we were going to 15 years ago. We're talking we're talking people who are now now of you know, Chris and my age, which are, are becoming the old, old grumbly people. And we grew up with Batman as such a central part of all of this DC universe on the screen that I, I think you start with Batman and you establish a good Batman. Well, bear in mind that Robert Pattinson's Batman's not going anywhere. They've got production <sighs> start on the next movie, HBO Max series, tie-ins, things like that. So if they're going to do another Batman, it's multiverse. And by the okay, by the way, so, the reason I didn't say Superman because I know that's the other obvious one is because like Superman is a lost cause in any iteration after Christopher Reeves. Even though I completely disagree with with the level that of nostalgia people put it on, I actually I actually disagree with a lot of people's thoughts on uh, on where he stands as far as like the iconic Superman. I I think there are, I I think rewatching it it doesn't hold up, but. But anyways, uh, that's where people have it in their mindset. And I recognize that. And I think that any iteration is is going to be an uphill climb. Also, keep in mind that J.J. Abrams and I'm going to screw up his name. I always do. Tanishi Coates's uh, Superman treatment is still in development at D.C. All right. So we're just going to go with you're going to burn everything. You're even Pattinson's out and you're going to start with a new Batman. Even if you do that, I won't watch it because I'm just not a Batman fan in the, I won't, I won't go to the theater to watch it. Not because I'm anti Batman. I'm just, I'm not a fan anymore of the Batman character. So that is what it is. 
Okay, Batman. Do you, uh, final question. Do you scrap the Flash? Yes, you scrap all of it, including including not playing into for a very long time any television or any universe that exists up to this day. Yes, maybe one day you will think about it in a nostalgia factor bringing back somebody like Grant Gustin or you bring back, you know, uh, in the chat, Suncast is mentioning Tom, Tom Welling could be a great Superman. Maybe in the very, 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 very far future, once you've succeeded, you could bring that back. But you don't mention anything. You don't draw any clues. You don't do anything to any past iteration of any of these. And you start building because that's what's going to make it work is building a, a universe that that is cohesive and works. It's like how Hulk just disregarded the Hulk, even though it was a few years before. It didn't work. So they got rid of it. Yeah, they did reference it. It's not technically MCU lore, but they do, they there are flashbacks to it in the in the still pictures and stuff like of that. Of the first Hulk? Okay. Yeah, the the Hulk from what uh, the the, the Banna Hulk, the Angley one Banna. is not MCU. Yeah, no. Yeah, the, the uh, Banna. Yes. No, I'm talking the first no, no. the first the Edward Norton what? is the one you're talking about, Stephen. That one is MCU canon. Ang Lee, yeah. Eric Bana is not MCU canon. Yeah, I'm talking about not the, the, the Edward Norton is not the Incredible Hulk, and then there was Hulk before that. Yeah, I'm talking that first one is not part of it. Right, yeah, and w- what I'm saying is, in the Incredible Hulk, there are stills in that from that film from that 2004 Banna film. Is there? Oh, I didn't realize that. Yes, so technically it is MCU, but it's it, we all know it's not. So. Yeah. All right, so I agree with trashing flash because of all the ezra miller stuff alone that's just a, a nightmare waiting to happen they need to distance themselves management's from already it. made it clear they're not letting that happen though if you look at their actions yeah, what, up until what, now so and and i will boycott it and I, i'll boycott all of wb for it or dc for it so final question i know i've asked a lot <laughs> final question you want to burn it all. You want to start over. It takes like three years from concept to development to filming to release. You prepared to let the DC universe sit for three years as Marvel starts to gain steam in phase five. Well, okay. I don't know that that would be the approach since you've already got some projects that are in the hopper. I think you could you could stagger them, right? Like Chris said, I, I think you disregard the flash. I absolutely think you do. But if they're committed to releasing it, like just just there, then go ahead and release it. Now you still got DC content, but then it's completely, you know, you make it clear that when the new movie comes out, it's all brand new because it's the continuity has not been a thing with DC as it stands right now with all these different versions, like, you know, back to the Joker example alone. So, and the whole Batman fiasco. So, that that continuity question isn't really relevant because it's not like you're going from one cohesive cohesive cross product universe as it is right now to putting it on hold to create one. No, you might as well just create your your crap storm. I almost swore uh, of movies between now and your new launch because that's what you're already doing. So, anyways, okay. tell us about Artemis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Since we were here last, Artemis actually launched and it splashed down. Yep, that's right. Just yesterday, which was December 11th, 2022, 50 years to the day after Apollo 17's moon landing, the Artemis 1 Orion capsule splashed down in the Pacific 
It spent 25.5 days in space, and it was just a mere 20 minutes before the start of NFL Week 13 Sunday games. So they timed it just right. It flew farthest away from Earth that any human-rated capsule or spaceship has. It beat Apollo 13 by about 20,000 miles. And some people are saying, oh, boo-hoo, boo-hoo, Apollo 13 was so great. No, Apollo 13 sucked. It was a failure. Yes, it was a successful failure. They made a very emotional Tom Hanks movie out of it. But it was terrifying when it happened. And they put systems in place for it never to happen again. So I'm fine with this beating it out. Yes, there was nobody actually in the capsule. There will be in the future. The thing's rated to fly out far, so we're good there. So with that, the first mission of the Artemis moon program is in the books. And here we go. Artemis 2. It's going to happen next month, right? Of course. Yes. In fact, I believe I'm going to be on it. It's true. Yeah. Well, that's another story that we'll talk about a little bit. But no, no, it's it can't go. And the reason it can't go for 27 months is that is the time that it takes to requalify some of the Orion flight hardware that flew on this version of Orion that's going to be on the next Orion to save money that goes on Artemis 2. 27 months. If you want the long pole in the tent, it's the requalification of some flight hardware on Orion. That's it. It's not the fact that they need to completely reconstruct the launch pad. It's not the fact that they don't have a reusable rocket and they have to actually create it from the ground up. It's not the fact that they haven't flown the capsule in space before because it's flown twice now, once in 2014 and once in 2022. It's not the fact that the thing can't land because it landed twice. Splashdown, whatever. It's the fact that they're reusing flight hardware from Artemis 1, stuffing it on Artemis 2, and the time frame that that is supposed to take is 27 months. So they say they're going back in May of 2024. If you do some quick math on your hands and use some toes, that doesn't get you to 27. <laughs> gets you to like 17. Yeah, okay. So you have some genetic anomalies there, I guess. Yeah, 17 months. <laughs> so you gotta you gotta go out 10 more months. So you're talking 2025 for Artemis 2. Artemis 3 doesn't have this problem because it was never supposed to reuse flight hardware. Now, when Artemis 2 does go, it's not going to be a 26-day mission. It's scheduled to be a 10-day mission. They're going to do one huge long orbit around the Earth, and then they're going to, at the very tippy top, they're going to fire the thruster, and they're going to get to the moon. They're not going to get into orbit around their moon. They're going to do the DRO, the retrograde orbit, and they're going to come back. So it's going to take a while. It, it's, a, it's frustrating because now we got to wait 27 months for Artemis 2. You you chime in first, Chris, and then I'll I'll get to my point that I've been thinking about for a little while. Boy, and you thought I'd take a while to get the DC universe fixed. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Uh, all right, I'm gonna say something really unpopular. Uh, Artemis, this this whole Artemis endeavor. Wait, wait a minute. Be- before you say something unpopular, you know that there's gonna be a Canadian on board Artemis too, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And what I'm gonna say okay, is, is, is that. This whole <laughs> Artemis project 
doesn't deserve the hype that it's getting. And and quite honestly, shots fired. Pew, 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 pew. Quite honestly, I'm going to go as far as to say it is the American passion with the history of NASA that is giving it the momentum that it has. And, and what I mean by that is there, you know, th there's so many generations, so many people, I should say, that have grown up with all of these cool little NASA things that that happened because NASA, look at all the cool things that they did with space, with space and space exploration it, out cool. of the entire entire world. A lot of the breakthroughs, dare I say, most of them uh, came Dehydrated from NASA. ice cream came, came from NASA. And because of this nostalgia, we've got this other project going on. And honestly, it's pathetic compared to all recent space developments that we have been seeing in the last five years. This thing shouldn't be as exciting as it is. And 27 months is a great example of that. That's ridiculous in the year 2023, because we're two weeks away from 2023. Absolutely ridiculous that we're looking at a 27-month refurbishment when we're seeing what SpaceX is doing. This is, this is weird. It's odd. And honestly, I, I hope, I hope that SpaceX leaves this thing in the dust so that it eventually just, you know, gets canceled. Because, because I, I think that, that there's a great place for NASA. There's a great place for these sort of things to happen. I don't think everything should always be 100% dependent on, on private space. I think that private space exploration competition needs to increase so we have more than one option. But what this is a product of, uh, of needs to completely be realigned. It needs to go through the DC treatment of basically looking at at all the things that are in the pipeline and going, where does that fit in in the year 2023? And realize that a lot of things, basically the whole thing needs to be turned upside down, dumped upside down and pick up all the pieces and build something new. I don't disagree with anything you said, but there's a couple of things okay. that I want to bring to bear. First of all, Artemis was designed not just to be NASA. It was designed to be an international coalition. That's why you have the Canadian Space Agency and ESA as equal, believe it or not, equal partners in Artemis, right? Come on. Uh, yes. Canada is never equal. We always say sorry about it and then defer to somebody else. Okay, we're never officially equal. You guys are <laughs> as equal players in this whole thing as NASA is really when it comes down to it. And and I know it's hard to see because SLS is the big thing and Orion is an American thing, but there's so much on board the Artemis stack that is Canadian and European. It it, it true it couldn't happen without everybody. It really couldn't. And for that I think it's good. I think it was a mistake not to use international partners with the Apollo program, right? And it is being corrected this time around. And that is why it's important that we have Japanese astronauts and Canadian astronauts and European astronauts. There was just a new, I didn't, it wasn't even one of my stories. There was a whole new class of European space agency astronauts that were just added in the last month as well, and specifically for Artemis. So you are getting a truly international feel to this. Now, you bring up a lot of good points. You bring up the fact that SpaceX is going to outpace 
Artemis and NASA. Yes, yes, it will. It will because when Artemis was conceived, it was conceived. It was funded mostly originally because Congress wanted to revitalize the American Jobs Program that is NASA, and said, "Let's take all these used space shuttle stuff and let's throw them together into a new rocket that will go to the moon." It's not a bad thing, but at the same time. At that time, they should have been revolutionary and they should have said, we will use a reusable rocket. Yes, we've had the space shuttle for the past 30 years. It hasn't worked out, but we're going to do it better this time. And Elon Musk came in and he said, hold my beer. And he did it with Falcon 9. Now, no matter what you think about Elon Musk, no matter what you think about SpaceX, Falcon 9 has been an incredible workhorse in international space lift. It is reused 15 times per booster before they finally retire it. And not because they have to, but because they're like, well, people won't believe it'll fly a 16th time. It would. They just don't do it because it's gotten to the point where it's cheap enough to use 15 times and then they expend it on a Falcon Heavy or something like that, or or a solo launch that they just use all the propellant to get it up into space, like they did with the uh, the Space Force launch uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they expend the booster that way. So now you have Starship coming on, and we'll talk about Starship later. But now you have Starship coming on that's reusable, that's going to enable these trips not to the moon. And that's probably another one of your points that was kind of unstated. What is the point here? It's not to go back to the moon. The moon is a test case. Everybody, NASA, SpaceX, Elon Musk, everybody, the Chinese, they want to get to Mars. That's what the big thing is. So the question is, how long is it going to take to get to Mars? Everybody is thinking in terms of 2035. It's not going to be 2035. It's probably going to be 2040 or 2045, if it happens at all, right? I think with Elon and Starship that it will happen all its own. A new story that we scrapped was the Dear Moon crew announcement. Dear Moon is an example of exactly what you're talking about, is that Elon is demonstrating Starship to take regular people around the moon and back. It's literally a crew of regular people. And he's going to fly it around the moon. He's going to prove the Starship concept and he's going to come back and it's going to land. And everybody's going to be like, ooh, NASA, can you do that? And it, it could fly again. The whole ship could fly again, both the booster and the, the Starship itself. And once people start to figure that out, SLS and Artemis are going to go by the wayside mm -hmm. and it's going to be the Starship and the Starship clones. Like the Chinese are probably going to develop one. Uh, the NASA might, but why would they? Uh, you mentioned uh, competition. Unfortunately, the only competition to Artemis right now is Starship. Uh, I think Blue Origin wants to create something, but they're years and years behind. There's a lot of things that Blue Origin wants to do. <laughs> Well, they're they're actually going forward with their next the new Glenton, what is it, the next generation rocket. They're going forward with that development. They just had a big test done at Kennedy. So they'll be there. They're just years behind. The competition right now is to low Earth orbit. And that's it. You you don't have a competition to go into deep space. You have a competition with the Boeing Starliner, with the uh SpaceX Dragon capsule, with the uh Dream Chaser. 
with uh, there, there's a couple others that are, are thinking of, of moving forward. We talked about them about a year, year and a half ago. So there's like at three good ones and up to five possible ones to get to low Earth orbit. That's where your competition is. We need to have the competition to go to the moon and to Mars. And right now, the only two rides on the table in development or actually have flown are Starship and Orion. Well, I look forward to seeing what happens in 27 months. Which, you know, I'm sure it'll be right on schedule. <laughs> I'm sure. Of course. All right, well, moving on to the next news point. I've just got a, an interesting thing that I saw pop up in, on a couple of sites. For those of you who didn't know this, Apple has a product called iMessage. It's this new thing that they've got, and it's exclusive to Apple users. Anyways, uh, this, this is a new thorn in my side because my wife went back to an iPhone, which, which is actually an interesting story in itself because she just was converted a few years ago to Android and she was back to I Apple. And honestly, it was, it was by default with deals, but she, I think she, she isn't loving it. Let me just leave it at that. But anyways, uh, in this, this whole iMessage discussion, I came across this, this article that apparently there's this company called Sunbird that plans to bring iMessage to Android. And what they're, they've announced, and they put out this little splashy video that they say, you're going to be able to use iMessage on an Android, but your users will probably need an iCloud account. And uh, apparently in this whole beta testing, the folks over at Android Authority had a chance to test the early access, but it was weird because they couldn't use their personal iCloud accounts in the Sunbird app. Instead, they had to use a different iCloud account that they were loaned by the folks at Sunbird. My thoughts on all of this is, yeah, right. This is not going to happen because Apple, Apple will go and they'll shut down any, any you know, side door that they've left open. They'll, they'll find a way, way to patch this because Apple wants iMessage to be specific to Apple, and they, they, they have a good reason to do that from a marketing perspective. I disagree with some of the things. I disagree with some of Apple's decisions from a, a whole worldwide messaging perspective, but they have the rights and the marketing reasons to do this. And if all of a sudden a product like this takes off, I think Apple will be quickly finding a way to shut that down. Uh, but what I found interesting, though, the Sunbird app, apparently they're planning on making it so that it's a uh, cross messaging uh, app, meaning, you know, you'd have your texts in there on Android, you have things like WhatsApp and a whole bunch of other things baked into that. I could see some of those things maybe actually happening, which is still kind of a neat thing if someone just had one app for all of these different messaging services. But the iMessage aspect, I say, yeah, right. Didn't we have something like this like four or five years ago? Yeah. It also and got shut down as soon as it started to gain traction other than just people playing with it to see what was possible. Exactly. And that's what I think Apple will do. They'll just continue to do that. And here, here's the thing that we need to get past our North American view of iMessage, SMS versus RCS versus all these other things and realize that outside of our continent, most people are using things like Signal or WhatsApp or other things like that. Text messaging apps aren't nearly as big a deal to the rest of the world as it is to us. It's true. We are stuck with weird patchwork of messaging apps, like the yes. patchwork in the DC universe. <laughs> I think eventually 
we will, and I don't know how long it's going to take, but eventually we will get cross compatibility, just like with the gaming series. There are games that go cross platform. Not all of them. I realize that, and I realize that the whole thing is is really broken. But it, we're starting to get that path laid out in front of us from a gaming perspective. PlayStation Five, uh, you know, on uh, PC gaming, uh, Xbox. It's all coming together for a few select games, and I think the messaging sphere will eventually go to that, but. It's just a matter of when and how it's going to happen and whatever. And it'll surprise us when it actually does happen. We'll all go, yeah, that's not going to work. And eventually it's going to work. I don't, I, I can't describe how it's going to happen. In the meantime, this is frustrating as all heck, because when I send a message to my family or to my work office, and I get to that one person that turns those blue things green, I'm like, ah, this is broke the whole thing. This is stupid. Why can't we just have one messaging app or at least an API between messaging app? It's just stupid. Well, it's because it's a selling point for Apple. That's why it happens. It's why Google has lobbied so hard to try and push RCS as the alternative and started their green bubble versus blue bubble initiative. It's all dumb. And we're eventually going to reach that point where people are like, yeah, we're not using SMS anymore. Who cares? When people start realizing, and, and more and more people will, but when people start realizing that to get the best camera, you need to get off an iPhone and you get, need to get off something else. Like the iPhone 14 Pro Max, I have one right here. It's a decent phone, right? But if I wanted the best camera out there, I'd go for a Samsung, what is it, 22 out there that seems to be i mean the cameras are comparable a little bit but for most people they'll say the samsung camera is better well i just think that chris i think chris nailed it with the the whole you know reason why and uh, and we had a bit of a discord chat about this in our in our discords over at gunnageek.com slash discord I think that potentially if Tim Cook ever moves on, maybe you might get somebody that goes, you know what, we, we could we could sell us, uh, this as an option to other people and maybe that would happen, but I don't know. I think the market shift would have to be that where it might bring back a few dollars and I don't think we're at there. I think it would it would more net lose people that are holding on to iPhones for that reason, like you said, uh, SP, where people are used to this sort of group dynamic that they are all iMessaging. Uh, the only last thing I want to chime in on this before we go to the next news point is that I think one of the big challenges that we have is the the generation that regularly messages that is less experienced with technology. They're, they are not up to the idea of using a third-party app. And that's like Apple does a lot of things really well on the iPhone for those people who who want a very straightforward experience. And those type of people who want that straightforward experience that don't have the idea of using another messaging service are probably going to use their default messenger, which is SMS. So I let me be blunt. That's a problem that solves itself with time. Fair. No, I'm not, I'm fair, not no, kidding. Fair, that, that, that's what fair. it is here, though, is, is that eventually people that would be using that will eventually get migrated to it because the standard changes and Apple pushes it as the 
as their standard on there, or they just stop purchasing the product for a variety of different reasons. I wasn't trying to make it sound morbid like it may have sounded at first. I oh, realized. that's what I thought you meant. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, here, here's the thing we talk about with Apple all the time, is that if they decide they want to push something, they just do it and yeah. damn the consequences, and eventually it picks up and then it becomes the industry standard. So if Apple really didn't want to use SMS or some or use some alternative die message, they would force it through and it would change. But they don't want to. That's the problem. Yeah. They want people on iMessage. Well, it's all about lock-in. It's <laughs> yeah. a it's a sales point for people because and there is, I don't understand it, but I guess there is some sort of social value to being a blue bubble versus a green value that bubble that people have. I, I don't get it. No, I will absolutely say that that the whole blue bubble, green bubble bubble, um, like the idea of it being a status thing is is, is BS. But the experience thing is genuinely better with people who are on iMessage in an iMessage group yes. or an iMessage experience back and forth. And this is people who are just sending photos or sending clips or whatever. It is better between iMessage than someone that is that is SMS. Because right. SMS, you're getting like what? One, like, I don't know, six, 64 by 64 pixel videos. Like, it's awful. Well, that's part of why they pushed RCS. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but the thing is, though, if you live in the ecosystem, Apple's iMessage is nice because if you get a text message on your iPhone, it pops up on your iPad, it top, pops up on your iMac or your MacBook, things like that you don't have to worry about. Now, Google has sort of tried to work their way around it. Like, I can get my text messages on my laptop. I just have to go to, what is it, messages.android.com yeah. and, and scan the QR code there. And then I have a browser session that connects back to my phone and I'm able to do it and send media and things like that. But I don't have a great way to get to my messages on my iPad, for instance, unless no. I just use a tab in my browser to go to messages.android.com. Yeah. Which sucks. Well, which is why so many people go to Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp or things like that, because it's on any device. It's true. Well, we look forward to being in our retirement homes when this finally happens. Right. I'll be in the grave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I'm sad. Uh, all right, moving on to the next news point here. There's a blizzard, right? Funny enough, there is a weather system supposed to go yeah, through the United States is. most of this week. But no, we're talking about blizzard activation in Microsoft. And I think we've touched on it before on this show ages ago. But for those that don't remember, Microsoft is attempting to acquire blizzard activation for $68.7 billion. Now, I'm going to put my own aside in here and say, even if this deal goes through, it does not make them the number one nor even the number two gaming company out there, they stay steadily in their number three position. Why do I mention that? Well, the Federal Trade Commission is currently suing Microsoft over its attempted merger with Activision Blizzard. They filed suit December 8th, claiming the deal would suppress competition in the video game industry. Now, Microsoft is attempting to counter these accusations, providing various deals with specifically the Call of Duty franchise. Xbox uh, slash Microsoft offered a 10-year deal to Sony to keep the FPS franchise on PlayStation. Sony said no and had concerns about going to Game Pass. Then they followed up by sending uh, Phil Spencer out to go on Twitter and say that the company has entered a 10-year commitment to bring Call of Duty to the Nintendo Switch and also made a deal with Valve to continue delivering Call of Duty via the Steam platform. In fact, Valve came out and said, we don't really need a signed agreement from Microsoft. We just expect them to do it based off what their stance is on gaming. But Mike. Microsoft's biggest problem is Sony that has been pushing up multiple roadblocks because of their concern over 
Microsoft owning Call of Duty, a franchise that has sold spectacularly for the PlayStation for many years, and in fact has had in the past exclusive DLC only on Sony devices, things like that. But Sony's biggest concern has seemed to be that Microsoft would put Call of Duty on Game Pass. We've talked about Xbox Game Pass, Microsoft Game Pass, which is effectively all first-party games if you're subscribed to it. Day and date they release, they're available on Game Pass. So if you're paying your subscription each year, then as soon as Gears of War 5 came out, you could play it that same day, Halo Infinite, any other first-party titles. When this acquisition goes through, that would make Call of Duty a first-person, excuse me, a first-party title. So that's been the biggest concern that Sony had. What I saw that was interesting was an article that came out literally today that Bloomberg pulled out and had shared. And I got my copy of it from GameSpot because it was behind a paywall. So they kind of summarized what it was. But Microsoft offered a deal to Sony last week. It has not been approved. But it was prior to the lawsuit being filed by the FTC. That would be a new concession that would basically allow... Call of Duty to go on the PlayStation Plus service, which is the Sony equivalent to Microsoft Game Pass, that they would allow them to put it on that PlayStation Plus service, in part alleviating that competitive advantage that Sony was concerned about, at least for the next 10 years, based off the numbers that were here. Because regardless of the console ecosystem you were in, as long as you are subscribed either PlayStation Plus or Game Pass, Call of Duty could in theory be part of it. As of this time that we record this on December 12th, Sony has not said yes or no on this deal. I imagine that someone at Microsoft leaked it today to kind of sway public opinion, especially in light of the FTC lawsuit. And it's going to be very interesting next few months as we figure out whether this largest acquisition in Microsoft history is going to go down. I am slightly optimistic on this one just because it doesn't push microsoft up to number one or even number two they retain their same spot it's a big acquisition that's for sure but i, I don't know i'm not a regulator i'm sure it's going to go to court they'll make deals and microsoft pays a bunch of lobbyists so i'm sure it'll go through you know the other aspect to remember in this is that activision is is getting hosed by by sony's efforts here right because because we've got a pen, we've got a pending deal we got a buyer and a seller and the seller is is being hosed by sony so let's say that this turns out that for some weird reason there is no deal that can happen i'd love to see what games activision starts to play because if activision is not allowed to be sold there's nothing stopping them from giving Sony the cold shoulder when it comes to the next Call of Duty or anything like that. Like, like money too. Yeah. Like, uh, well, obviously they want to try to sell, right? They want to try to, you know, sell Call of Duty uh, copies, which means going to multi-platforms. But if this whole thing is stopped because of Sony, why wouldn't they, they say, well, you know what? Sony, you cost us a bunch of money. I'm just not going to release the next version for you. Or in theory, they could just make a deal with Microsoft and say, hey, we'll do day one release on Game Pass still. Yeah. You pay us a flat fee for it or whatever. And then I don't know how the pay structure works on that. I think it's partly based off of how many hours people put into games is what goes back to the developers that put their games on there. They could in theory do that, but it hasn't really been a good look for Sony through part of this because all they keep doing is talking about Call of Duty. And then when the Nintendo Switch news came out, which kind of surprised everyone because no yeah. one expected the Switch hardware to be able to support it which makes me think it'll be cloud-based, but I have nothing to confirm that. They pretty much came out and said, 
yeah, we don't really consider this to be much of a win because the player base of Nintendo Switch doesn't really care about Call of Duty, i.e. calling them all children, and that the hardware <laughs> basically can't support it. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> I will be curious. So mark the day of December 12, 2022, whenever this news actually came out, and go three years in the future, go five years in the future, go 10 years in the future. Is it what everybody promised or has it changed? If it's what everybody promised, then we're good. But I'm I'm curious as to when it's not going to be what everybody promised. And will it matter? Will the gaming sphere change so much in 10 years that so, when this promise very good point. starts that it doesn't matter anymore? So that's a very good point you're bringing up. And I have said on this show before, and I know there's other people that said it too, I think we're beginning to see a change in how the gaming industry works, which is the advent of streaming services like PlayStation Plus, Game Pass, things like that, where it's games as a subscription that don't necessarily rely on you having to buy hardware mm -hmm. is kind of changing how the model works here. And let's be honest, for most of these develop most of these companies out there, making the hardware you lose money on. I think it was reported something effective on the Xbox Series S. Microsoft loses 200 bucks on every one they sold or something like that is what I'd read at one point in time. So <laughs> getting people to subscribe and to play via the cloud on your cell phone or your TV or your set-top box and putting all of that processing power just in a server farm, that's a compelling argument for these guys because it's, hey, then we focus more on selling the service and selling the games and the loss leader that is hardware goes out the door. I think the only reasonable way that that could occur is if you get high-speed internet mm -hmm. to everywhere also on the planet. True. That's the other thing slowing us down. Because this works in big cities. It, it really does, because there's high-speed available in big cities. When you get out in a rural or worldwide, it breaks down. And 50% of the population plus or minus is outside of big cities. So, yeah, no, I, I think you absolutely bring that, bring up a good point on that. I, I think we are closer than we were even two years ago when we started talking on this, but the thing that I think is an interesting idea to follow and compare is the idea of the streaming services, because this whole article is about not having an exclusive offering for call of duty. Look at what's happened with streaming services. And now you're back to having a whole bunch of, streaming tv shows because movies and tv shows are exclusively held on one platform so it's probably going to be a point where if cloud gaming takes off that is the model that sony and microsoft will accept that that is the, the path forward that they will have an exclusive right to a game and it will all work out in the end because everybody someone will come to sony to get their subscription for one game while they used to be an xbox user and and the reverse will happen. They were Xbox users, and now they're going to go and they're going to get a they're going to get a Sony subscription. I think I said the same thing, but you know what I mean. So the one difference I will say between streaming and gaming, cloud gaming, is even with streaming, most apps, most streaming services allow you to download a certain number of shows or movies or whatever, so you can watch offline. So going back to the not acceptable internet for cloud gaming. 
you can't do that with cloud gaming. You can't download something. And, and I guess you can if it's just you playing. But I'm thinking of a collaborative environment like Call of Duty, for instance. You can't do that. You could download the campaign in theory. But what you run into is, well, let's presume that I am playing via the Game Pass streaming app on my Fire TV stick or something like that. You're not going to be able to download and run that locally. Whereas if I have my Xbox, in theory, using the regular Game Pass model, you could just mm. download it and run it locally if you needed to. So there, there is a okay. use case there still for the local hardware. And that, that's why Microsoft is kind of touting both cloud gaming and okay. download subscription too. I mean, so for instance, in my case, as soon as something like Lego Star Wars Skywalker Edition came out, it's on Xbox Game Pass. I just hit a button on my phone and told it to download. It started downloading on my Xbox and it was done like an hour, hour and a half later. In theory, I could have also just fired it up on the cloud on my phone. And then as soon as the Xbox was done downloading, fired it up there and my save game would have synced over. So the ecosystem they've built supports both local hardware and cloud streaming. But the bottleneck is still internet connectivity to download the game or to play the game via the cloud browser. I think the only other thing that we're kind of dismissing or at least not acknowledging is that the internet connection is still is currently a very important part of game playing. It, it is like, yes, mm -hmm. we're not talking the same amount as as playing up on the cloud, but you you have a crappy connection. You have a crappy game experience as it currently stands. And that's that's the bottom line. You get lag, you get all sorts of issues there. There might even be a case to be made that with as technology goes, the lag might be impacted less if it's all being done on a server because you could potentially do some offsetting because you might only be sending a small pool of data of commands and the server is going to do some offsetting. But there's random speculation, by the way. That was the Google Stadia argument. And they were right, actually. And, but, but it's so early, we don't know where it's going to go. And... Mm. You might have yeah, a I, hybrid of, of technologies too. Sorry, go ahead. I like, I like what you're talking about where you get the uh, collaborative gameplay in the cloud and that just some cues go back and forth to somebody that has a poor internet connection and that all the graphics generation is done locally. So you have double the computing power that's enabling you to do it to bolster the lack of good internet connection I, I like that so i don't know what this is going to mean in the future we'll see 10 years from now i look forward to seeing it too where where it evolves and especially if you know it means that chris no longer has to buy a sony playstation just to get a spider-man game oh yeah that's not gonna change anything <laughs> i mean they are getting into cloud gaming but they're not and i think this is part of their resistance is they're not on the same level as microsoft as amazon as nvidia as Google was with Stadia, things like that. They're, they're not there. I'm thinking of buying a Stadia. Uh, SP, why don't you tell us a little bit about Starship? Yeah, real quick, because I know we're running a little long here. What's going on? We talked about the Artemis program before. We talked a little bit about Starship. Well, what's exactly going on with Starship right now? They haven't had a flight test with Starship. Falcon 9 has flown many, many times. Falcon Heavy has flown their established programs, but Starship is still in the development. It was two years ago that we first got the Starship coming in and landing without doing its RUD or rapid on plan destruction or whatever RUD stands for these days. 
So Starship Booster 7 is the linchpin on doing the orbital flight test because Starship Ship 24 is all rocking and ready to go. They might have to redo a static fire just to make sure the engines, because I think they replaced one, make sure all six engines are a go. But the booster is what's the problem. It has not fired all 33 engines at the same time. On November 29th, 2022, in Boca Chica, SpaceX ignited what was supposed to be a 14-engine test, 13, 14-engine test. It turns out that they only lit up 11 of its engines, so two or three did not light up. I forget what it is, 13 or 14. The test did last for 13, almost 14 seconds. It's the longest Starship main booster firing to date, which was great. However, in doing so, they completely ruined the launch pad. This is important for a lot of reasons. First of all, Starship is supposed to be rapidly reusable. The concept is to catch the booster as it's coming back down, put it on the orbital launch mount, and do a minimal amount of refreshing, like in the ter- on the uh, concept of an hour or two. And maybe with the rocket fuel involved, it's going to be a little bit longer than that. But that's the concept, is to go within a matter of hours, or at the very least days, like two or three days. So catch the booster, put it down, catch the Starship, put it down, or pick a new one up and put it on top of the booster and then launch it. Unfortunately, they have not gotten to a robust protection of the concrete that's directly underneath the 33 engines of the booster or the launch tower itself. They're putting up protective cladding on the launch tower to protect it from the same damage that SLS did to its mobile launch platform a couple of weeks ago. But they're not there yet. Even after a test launch, they might have to do some changes of the design or whatever. The concrete is more important. They, They really do need to do something different down there, whether it's a diverter pushing all that off to the side, whether that's a big water pit or something. And here's the rub. Elon Musk, in his vision to go to Mars, envisions the exact same launch tower on Mars. They've duplicated it at Kennedy Space Center already. They've made some improvements, but for the large part, it's the same exact launch tower. And he wants to put the same launch tower on Mars. In order to do that, you actually either have to build it in place or you have to transport, like smelt the metal and assemble the metal, do... Uh, all the welding and stuff like that for the pieces that go up, or you ship them there or a combination of both. And that's just going to take a lot of flights back and forth to Mars. And a flight to Mars is going to take like 18 launches of Starship anyway to get that amount of fuel, rocket fuel on board to make the journey to Mars and then be able to land on Mars. So It is an issue. It is more of an issue than you think. It is not just, can we make this thing work in Boca Chica? It's, yes, let's make it work in Boca Chica. Let's make it work at Kennedy Space Center. Let's make it work on the mobile oil rigs that they're going to convert into launchers. Let's make it work on the moon and let's make it work on Mars. Now, you won't need a full tower on the moon because you won't ever land the full thing on the moon, at least not that I know of yet. But he does plan on launching return flights. So you're going to need that big tower on Mars. And that's what it's all the problem is getting all that metal, not only for the rocket itself and create the rocket fuel on Mars, but the launch tower. It's actually a bigger problem than you think right now. 
So with all that going on, we originally thought that the launch, the orbital flight test was going to be December of 2022. Unfortunately, right now, from everything that I've heard, there's been no official announcement that I've seen. There might have been today and I just didn't see it. But we're looking at a March 2023 orbital flight test launch date at this moment. And that's a combination of bolstering the Booster 7 protection on the bottom to make sure that the engines don't explode each other when it's going and the orbital flight test mount itself. So it's going to be a little bit further, but that gets into the fact that he's, he being Elon Musk is taking and SpaceX uh, executives are taking a more risk, not risk behavior. They're, they're mitigating a lot of risk now, and they're not pushing as hard and as fast as they used to. And I think part of that is due to the fact that they know Artemis is not going back to the moon. They're not landing on the moon. So Starship is needed to land on the moon. Starship is contracted to land on the moon. And they don't need to do it now until 2025. So why rush something and and uh, maybe risk an explosion on the pad that not only takes out the rocket, the Starship, but more importantly, the orbital launch mount and all of the supporting equipment at the launch area, like the tanks and stuff like that? Why risk that? Let's do everything safe. Let's throttle it back a little bit and make sure that when we do launch, it's not going to catastrophically put the entire program at risk. So that's where we're at right now. Exciting stuff. They did do a great test, but in the process of doing the test, there's a little bit of action they, they need to do. Now, Booster 7 was taken back to the Mega Bay on December 2nd, they started, or it was lifted off the orbital mount on December 2nd. It was taken back to the Mega Bay on December 3rd. There is a closure that is for Thursday right now as we're recording this in three days on December 15th. No idea what that closure is for. Is it to roll Booster 7 back out? Is it to do another Starship test? I have no idea, but it's something along those lines. And once that happens, we'll get a better sense on when the orbital flight test is actually going to occur. All right. So here's my question for you. Amongst all of this, how many boosters are going to be caught by a helicopter? Interestingly enough, there's an entirely different rocket company that is. is trying to catch its boosters <laughs> rocket lab. with a helicopter. And yeah, rocket lab. So they did the test. The rocket went up. And then the helicopter pilots got kind of close and they said, nope, not going to do it. Nope, it, we're not good. We're not good. No good. No good. <laughs> so they didn't do it, but they're going to try it at some point in time. Now, remember, even SpaceX did some things that they don't do anymore, one of which was trying to catch those fairings from on top of the Falcon 9 and Falcon Heavy with ships and big nets and stuff. They finally said, <laughs> no, we're just going to let it land in the water. We're going to pick it up on the water and we're going to use it that way. And it seems to be working that way just fine. So is this helicopter really necessary? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I meant to, I, I think it was the last show I meant to bring that up. If not, I meant to bring it up to you offline. Uh, but I thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> it is, it's kind of funny. And I am thinking in terms of the, of the helicopter pilots going, uh, we're really going to do this today, Bob. <laughs> yeah, we're really going to do it. <laughs> Go up and uh, the big old rocket coming down. We're going to catch that. Nope. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't even catch a baseball. Um, last news point that we've got here. I wanted to bring up that matter. There's an update on matter. Another thing. Um, so 
the update that I want to bring up specifically is that as these things start to roll out, Matter being the smart home protocol, to various different platforms, Home Assistant has officially launched support for Matter. Yes, they Huzzah. are They are saying it's in its early stages, but that does mean that, as they say, adding Matter devices can be done using our iOS and Android Home Assistant companion apps. Adding support for this to our apps is being worked on and will continue to be available or will become available in upcoming weeks. And that's because there's a whole commissioning process for Matter. We discussed it previously on the show that Matter products are still not readily available. They're still being developed, but the standard has officially been released. And now you got to start to see the actual parts roll out, meaning that you have devices that are people's smart homes that are compatible with Matter. They need to roll out that integration. They need to roll out the process for adopting it. And of course, you also need the backbone if these Matter devices do depend on thread. People are going to have to have thread networks. But Home Assistant is quite a quite a popular product in, in the whole smart home market, especially for those who are looking to do more advanced things. I've talked about it before. I have moved over to Home Assistant. I am still very quick to recommend against it to many people because it is still very, very technical in a lot of ways. But if you are a technical person, I would highly recommend it. But for those that are not techie, something like smart things is going to be your better bet. I'm excited to see this because it really is like such a popular product in the smart home world. This this was a big thing that needed to happen. And I'm glad that it's there, especially because, you know, once DC finishes the reboot, once the Ryan uh, number two is out, then we'll start to see some matter products hit the shelves. There was an assistant in the Orion capsule. And I think if it's going to wait 27 months, I think we're going to see that assistant change. Maybe there will be matter on board Artemis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everybody for checking out this show. We do greatly appreciate you coming on back. We know it's weird that we do it only once a month, but hey, that's what we've got. And we're glad that you're enjoying it enough to continue to check it out. Thanks to everybody who came to our live chat room. Thanks to everybody who comes to our Discord at gunageek.com slash Discord. And you should also check out all of the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network. There's a lot of amazing geeky content over there. We did add a few new members over 2022. But there also are some some staples, some long-terms, like Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., which has an amazing crew, including the Stargate Pioneer, also known as SB. You've also got the fantastic All Things Good and Nerdy, which also has an amazing crew, including the one and only Chris Farrell. No? Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> Check those out on the Gunna Geek Network. What are your two release schedules going to be over the holidays slash upcoming weeks? TBD right now. Okay, so TBD for ATGN. Yeah, I got two in the can that I need to get out for Legends of Shield. We got one more recording left this Saturday, so a few days after we record this. We're going to actually be doing the X-Men, the animated series Christmas special. I didn't realize that they had one or it's a Christmas theme episode. So we're going to be doing that. And it just so happens that's the next one on the schedule. And so I said, okay, we're going to do it. And then we're going to take a couple of weeks off and come back in January. So that's Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. I watched the Guardian special. That was fun. That that was a fun, fun flick. 
It was fun. It, are the songs stuck in your head? Oh, they were. Not anymore. Yeah. They're out now. Uh, that was okay. last, not this past weekend, the weekend before. But yeah, that was that was a fun flick. I'm I'm glad I watched it. Yeah, and I think after we see Guardians of the Galaxy 3, we'll understand all the holes that were plugged with it mm. that James Gunn threw in there. I think he intentionally threw a couple of things like Rocket's gift. I'm not going to spoil it, but mm. the gift that Rocket was given, I think that was put in there for a reason. I agree. So for episode number 396 of the Official Gonna Geek Show. I'm Stephen John Drew saying, yep, we'll be back in 2023. Thanks for checking out the show and happy holidays. 10 years of Gonna Geek Show or maybe more. We're looking forward to another one. We'll see everybody in January. I just want to know when Steven's bringing back the fanboy box. Big Papa. We don't talk about that. Bye. <laughs> happy holidays, everyone. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of the official gunageek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.